All right, well, with a big event wrapped up and in the books, there was only one person we could get on this program to properly react to the craziness that just went down on Fight Island. You know, from her amazing work on UFC broadcasts and the Dana White Contender Series, a former fighter herself, she joins us for the first time, and I believe it's an appropriate one, on Submission <laughs> Radio. Laura Sanko, how about this? A rare weekend off, and here we are, uh, taking up all your time and making you stay up late. <laughs> It's good to have you on Submission Radio. I was going to say, first of all, I'm so excited to be here. I've been a big fan of your show forever, so I'm super stoked about this. There's not many people that could make me stay up this late, but you guys you guys are one of the few, if not the only ones. Um, but in terms of like appropriately reacting, I don't feel like I can do that because my entire family is asleep right now. And so I'm trying to project and yet not project too much because I have a very echoey house. So I might just have to kind of quietly scream, yay. <laughs> Look at you, the multitasker. Don't worry, we're not expecting any Joe Rogan-esque screaming on uh, on this episode. Just out of curiosity, what is the time there where you are, just to show people how nice you are staying up for it us? It is 1.22 a.m., which isn't, I'm sure for the millennials out there, they're like, well, that's when my night gets started. But um, <laughs> for me, uh, I like to go to bed at 10 so, you know, we're, 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 we're a big girl. We're staying up late tonight. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about the fights because we are just coming off an absolute clinic by Israel Adesanya and Polo Costa. I mean, all of us were talking about the fact that, hey, what will Polo Costa bring to this fight? And what will he do in terms of strategy? I know we spoke about, will he try to play off this whole Yola Romero thing and sort of take it easy at the beginning and get, your, get uh, Israel Adesanya to try and engage with him? He did that. But it didn't quite work to his advantage. Laura, what did you make of the strategy that Paulo Costa and his team had in this fight against Israel Adesanya? It definitely surprised me. You know, I think, um, it, understandably, in a five-round fight, you're not necessarily... I mean, now some people do choose to go balls to the wall right out. But um, I think you find on those really high-level fights, fighters take their time and they study their opponent often in the first round. So I wasn't completely um, aghast that, that Costa didn't come out there and just, you know, throw hellfire right out of the gate. But what I didn't understand was that it, it, it seemed like in order to make reads, um, you have to be putting out offense the way that Israel was doing. And I, it, it felt to me like Costa was just expecting to be able to bait him in mentally, which, man, you're not going to – you can't play – mental games with Izzy that's his game that's what he's been mm. doing all week right so I think that the you know the things that Costa was trying to do to get him you know like come here come here all that type of stuff Izzy's Izzy's not stupid he's not going to do those things and when I was thinking about this fight in my head before it played out I kept envisioning Costa crashing forward and Izzy finding an angle um, and, and landing and that way I did have Izzy winning the fight but I thought it would be a reaction to Costa's pressure so when Costa didn't bring any pressure it was it was definitely it was different than how I thought it was going to be that's for sure right it was weird because obviously Paulo trying to sort of adapt and throw kicks to the body where normally we'd see those massive hooks to the body so it looked like you know yeah. that was a, a, a decent sort of change but then Paulo's never really had the success on the inside of the octagon it's always against the cage and he just wasn't yeah. able to get Israel you know there did you find it weird also when he was he was kind of taunting and Israel wasn't doing anything and ha I guess how did this fight live up to your expectations because it seemed to be one of the biggest fights of the year it's you know, it's just not fair to say that it's a letdown because mm. it shouldn't be a letdown. It was a clinic, as you said, from Israel Adesanya. I mean, just a flawless performance. It was almost like it was 
predetermined. You know, he w- it was like he was acting out some script that he had already played over in his mind a million times before. So I hate to, I don't like to use the word disappointment when someone goes out there and does something like that. But if I'm being honest, I did have this like war hyped up in my head, sort of along the lines of the Kelvin Gastelum fight where, you know, there'd be back and forth and there'd be moments where Izzy might look like he was in trouble. And you're absolutely right. I really expected Costa to use the cage because there's still that narrative out there. I think it's unfair, but the narrative still exists that that Izzy's weakness is his grappling. So I really expected him not necessarily to be shooting double legs in, you know, in the middle of the octagon, but to be pushing him up against the cage and looking to make this a little bit more of a grappling match and use his physicality and his size to potentially wear Izzy down. None of that happened, though. <laughs> absolutely none of that happened. And I would be, as I was watching it, I would be fascinated to know, um, I wish... We had stati- We have statisticians in the United States that follow baseball to a ridiculous, minuscule degree of, you know, h- how many times does a team win when the batter is, you know, 13 years older? That Like, the just ridiculous statistics. I wonder, as I was watching this fight, how often it plays out that the, the person who lands the first effective shot wins the fight because I feel so... Mm. I felt like the tone of this fight was just set right away when Izzy started going for those calf kicks and you could hear it. And even though Costa didn't react in his facial, you know, expression, you can just tell, you could tell that that was man that landed and that's what those are going to add up. And then man, did they ever geez. Yeah, those calf kicks are quickly becoming one of his most dangerous weapons when it comes to Israel Adesanya. And a lot of these guys going into the fights with them, I think, will actively be avoiding those calf kicks, especially if you're a striker like uh, Paulo Costa that relies on such a wide base to attack. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if Paulo Costa and his team are thinking about what happened tonight and going, damn, you know, like we tried this new strategy, but we never really got a crack at it. You know, we stood back and Israel figured out the movements and we never really moved forward from the get go and just at least had a crack at, uh, you know, seeing what happens because it was already beaten uh, mentally and Israel already had all his movements and distances by the time he got to the fence and tried to do stuff. And by that point, he was already dominating him in that area as well. I'm just curious, though, Laura, uh, stocks so high on Polo Costa going into this fight and throughout his whole career. And I guess this is the first time that we've really seen Polo Costa. And I don't want to say sort of stripped down, but uh, not as dominant as what we've seen him in the past. Yeah. What are you thinking for his future? A lot of people are sort of writing him off and, and thinking this could be the beginning of the decline with so many tough guys in the division. What do you think he comes back after this and we see a improved Paulo Costa that learns from this loss? Yeah, of course. You can't, I mean, you, that's it's ridiculous to write such an accomplished fighter off after a performance like that. And I think, I think your assessment is correct. I think um, he just never quite got to implement the, the game plan that, you know, he, he comes from a good team. I mean, it was. I was listening to the post-fight press conference um, before we started talking, and I was cracking up at Israel referring to uh, Eric Albarsin as um, Schmiegel. as a Schmiegel. <laughs> <laughs> so he he has a good coach in Schmiegel. Um, he comes from a very good team. I'm sure that they put together a, a well thought out game plan. He just didn't ever get to the point where he could put it into action. So all of that to say, I absolutely think that he will learn from this and come back just as dangerous as we've seen him before. You don't go undefeated for that long and have as many unbelievable dominant performance as he has had 
uh, and then just you know disappear into the night. He's 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 here, and he's going to be a force in this division for a long time. Mm. It's also interesting because heading to the Romero fight, the narrative was, man, he's just so green. He's just not ready for this fight. And then he beat Romero, and it's almost like people put him on too high of a pedestal. And he's only thirteen fights into his MMA career. He's quite young in the sport, so I agree with you, Laura. He's got a lot of room to move. But when you look at Israel, I feel like there was two narratives for this fight. One was obviously a title defense against a really tough challenger. The other one is winning back the fans and the perception of him after the Romero fight. When you put away a guy like Paulo Costa with the perception that everybody had of him, I mean, do do you think Israel succeeded in in that sort of goal? I mean, really putting on a statement performance against Paulo Costa and kind of, as he said, you know, y'all must have forgot the old uh, Roy Jones Jr. kind of reminding everyone what he's able to accomplish. Oh, I absolutely think he accomplished that. And I'll tell you what, I mean... MMA fans, and I am one of them, I don't, I don't fall into this particular category because I didn't write him off after his performance um, against Yoel Romero, but in general, MMA fans are a fickle bunch. They are a fickle bunch. Um, and it is sort of a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately um, type of fan base. I guess all of sports can be that way. Um, but I I interviewed him after his fight with um, Yoel Romero, and I, I, I don't know, like... I didn't think it was a, a, a bad or necessarily boring performance. I think you might have to be a little bit more of a nerd of the sport, like I consider myself to be, to appreciate it. But that that amount of living on a razor's edge and constantly fainting and constantly calculating and People, people think that when you're out there and you're, and you're fainting and you're moving and you're not throwing big shots the entire time that you're not doing anything mm-hmm. and I can understand that I but nothing could be further from the truth there's the mental exhaustion of being out there and being ready to fire for 25 straight minutes is honestly it's a different type of skill it's maybe not as exciting to watch but it's a skill set that if you do have an appreciation for it is incredible to see because not many people have it a lot of people get frustrated and they say it. Sorry, I don't know if I can cuss on the Of course show. you can. They say screw it, and they you know they charge in and they get clocked or you know and a lot of times people that's how people lose fights and that is what impresses me so much about Israel is he is so in control of his mind. He was he knew he was having a quote unquote boring fight. You know he's aware of that in the moment, but he's not willing to sacrifice a stupid loss against a very very dangerous guy, Yuval Romero, just to make a few people happy you know i think but i think sorry to answer your uh question that you asked 10 minutes ago um uh i do think he won the fans back with this tonight i mean the ones that the ones that went away can come back now and the ones that stayed should have you know the ones like me that stayed were still here. <laughs> mm. Do you think, Laura, that this is kind of a fight where not only was it a star-making performance, I mean, the the Fight Pass app crashed. It crashed for me. <laughs> I, I, I was here with my hard-earned money wanting to spend it, and I, I couldn't even uh, couldn't even order it at the start. So that happened. I was pulling my hair out. I know. And Dana White saying that the, the stare-down was the most-watched stare-down in UFC history, bigger than Conor Khabib, which is just insane. But also, the way he dispatched Apollo Costa, do you think this is where... And Israel's kind of always had this chip on his 
his shoulder, right? And I think the chip is still there, but there's a point where people go from sort of underdogs to that Anderson Silva status where people felt like with Anderson's defenses, it was almost like, why are we even seeing this? How is Anderson going to beat this guy? And I'm not saying Israel is necessarily there yet, but like dispatching of Costa, Romero, Whitaker, these are probably some of the toughest tests in the division. I almost feel like from here on out, people will look at, uh, you know, his opponents a little bit differently. Do you get that vibe as well, Laura? I do. And I, I can, I will stand here and admit that early in his career, I was one of those people mm. that even though I was a huge fan of him and I, I liked what he did inside the octagon and I love who he is outside the octagon. I just so admire that he's so comfortable in his own skin, but early in his career, um, like the Brunson fight. And I think even up to the Whitaker fight, when push came to shove and people would force me to make a pick, I would I would often pick against him because I kept having this thing in my head. Yeah, but we haven't seen him really grapple. Yeah, but we haven't really seen him against a really, really good wrestler. I, you can't, like, you just, you can't make that argument anymore. He's faced you well, Romero. Mm. Robert Whitaker, who is a phenomenal wrestler. Derek Brunson. I mean, this idea that he can't grapple has got to go out the window. But I do think... Enough of that will still pervade for a while, even though it's completely unwarranted, that I think we're going to still see Chip on the shoulder, Izzy, for a few more fights, which I don't mind it. I like I like it's Chip good on thing, the shoulder, right? Izzy. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting that we're sort of looking into the future because he's mentioned Jared Cannon here. And I'm wondering, Laura, who do you think is the tougher matchup for Israel? A rematch? With, uh, with uh, Robert Whitaker, a guy that has looked pretty good lately with that win over Darren Till. And if he beats Jared Cannonier, I mean, you can't deny the guy a rematch against it with the title shot. Or do you think Jared Cannonier, if he can get through a really tough guy like Robert Whitaker? I tend to, I still tend to think that Robert Whitaker is the tougher matchup. Um, I, nothing against Jared Cannonier. I think Cannonier is excellent. He's proved that. I think he's got the power. And I, I was as as I was watching or after the fight finished and I was thinking, okay, what's next? It could very well be that if he faces Cannonier, we'll end up with the fight that we were expecting to have tonight with Paulo Costa. I could see that happening. Um, but just if you ask me to put on my analyst hat, I, I do think that Robert Whitaker, he's just so uniquely well-rounded. I mean, the guy is good everywhere. And I, he's also a guy who's really good at making adjustments and coming back and coming back stronger and looking better than ever. So if you had to, if I, if I have to pick, I'd say probably Robert Whitaker, but listen, if Cannoneer beats Whitaker, I'm all for Cannoneer versus Adesanya. Mm, it's good because it kind of makes that fight even more exciting knowing the stakes. And just quickly, Adesanya, you know, being a reasonably young guy, I think people forget that Whitaker's actually younger than him, but, you know, just quietly beating, you know, Rob Wilkinson, Marvin Vittori, Brad Tavares, Derek Brunson, Anderson Silva, Kelvin Gastelum, Robert Whitaker, Yoel Romero, Paulo Costa. I believe Schmo pointed out like half of the top 15 ranked guys, he's already beaten them. So he hasn't cleaned the division out yet, but I mean, he's chasing that Anderson Silva status as, as the GOAT middleweight. Not quite there yet, but pretty close. Um, I wanted to sort of switch up as well with you, Laura, and obviously talk about the new light heavyweight champion that we saw, Jan Bajovic, uh, my unofficial uh, Polish uncle. What did you think <laughs> of his uh, statement win against Dominic Reyes, especially the fact that, you know, John Jones had a razor-close fight against Reyes, a fight that a lot of people thought Reyes won, and then here's Bajovic going in there and knocking him out in, in the second round. What did you make of it? 
Polish power, man. I mean, what else can you say? I, I, again, I'll eat my own words. I, I picked Reyes in this fight. Um, and I'll admit that it was largely based on his performance against John and the fact that I, I do think he's an excellent athlete. I think that, um, he brings a lot of things to the table just in terms of his ability to stay balanced and land shots, but throw up that all out the window that obviously was not, did not come into play tonight. I mean, Jan looked again, he kind of similar to Izzy. I felt like he had this air about him that he came out there and he just knew he was going to have the perfect game plan. And one of the things I noticed that was landing for Jan over and over again was the left hook. And, you know, Reyes would have his guard like this and he just does such a beautiful job of just coming right around the guard and connecting perfectly with the jaw. I mean, just, picture perfect technique and when you combine picture perfect technique with polish power you're going to get knockouts and he's very he's a very fundamentally sound fighter not exactly the most flashy guy he's not a guy that you can like wax about oh he's got this incredible x y or z he's just very very solid everywhere and then when you layer on that the amount of power that that guy is able to generate it's it's a very scary proposition because at the end of the, at the end of the day fundamentals are what what wins fights. Mm. When I look at Jan, uh, inspiring comes to mind. I mean, this is a guy that's thirty seven years old and has had up and down runs in the sport. And yes, so many fighters, I think, at different points in in his run, would have said, you know what, this isn't for me. But this is a guy that's believed and pushed through and gone through lots of hurdles. Guys like Luke Rockhold and sort of proven himself to get to this point. But I'm just curious as well. Dominic Reyes, I don't know. He seemed a little bit funny all week long. Um, people sort yep. of, when, that, when they asked him questions, he almost seemed a little bit annoyed. And he definitely seemed annoyed when people brought up John Jones. Uh, what, do you, what do you sort of make of the Reyes that we saw in there today? He, sat, he seemed a little bit lost, and it, looked, it took him a little bit of time to start engaging and start sort of getting loose. Lost is the word. I, and lost not in the sense of like, oh, God, he doesn't belong in there. Just not... He never clicked into, he never found his range, he never found his rhythm. And there were moments where he started to, but honestly, it was like Jan could read him getting comfortable and then Jan would go, you know, Jan would jump him and up the ante even more. And that was when Jan really started landing those heavy shots. Um, I think, again, Dominic thought he'd be able to really take his time and make some reads, but I, I would be interested to know if, that body kick affected him mentally or physically. I mean, we don't, we still don't know the status of his, of his ribs. You know, I, that looked nasty mm. <laughs> from just from the shade of his skin. You can tell that that kick landed with some real power and whether it did physical damage or not. I do wonder if there was a moment where he went, Oh, Holy shit. Like this, this Polish power thing is a real deal. And then just couldn't quite, find his rhythm couldn't find his game couldn't get his vibe going it was such a it's a hard thing to describe um what that is for a fighter you know that that it like i am in it and he just never was in it and he yawn put him on his back foot um from the very very beginning and and reyes just couldn't quite get off the way that we've seen him do in the past he didn't look when he fought john jones mm -hmm. he was so dialed in he was so in it. Uh, and tonight he just kind of seemed like, and I, I, I don't want to put, 
I don't want to assume too much, I guess. I don't want to assume that he, you know, he considers himself to be the person who beat John Jones, which there's definitely a case to be made for that. So I, I wonder if there's a mentality that comes with that. I'm not saying he underestimated Jan, but if in your mind you believe that you are the first person to legitimately beat John Jones, that can give you a sense of confidence that maybe you feel like, okay, well, I can, I can take around and, and figure this guy out. And it turned out to not be the case. It's interesting because now we look at what's next for Jan and we saw uh, John Jones on Twitter sort of congratulating him. And man, John Jones on Twitter when fights are happening is just something people need to keep an eye on because that guy <laughs> tweets out the most ridiculous things sometimes. But anyway, <laughs> what do you what do you make of what's next for Jan? I mean, he's called out John Jones. Dana, why did it seem that opposed to it? And I guess there's a narrative now because of the dominant win that he had over Dominic Reyes. I think it would get a lot more pay-per-view buys at this point. But then again... John Jones wants to get a heavyweight because, you know, competition is tough right now at light heavyweight and he wants to sort of maximize his potential, make big money and sort of have those big fights. Do you think he could potentially be next for Jan or do you still think it's John Jones going to heavyweight and Jan will be the reigning king for quite some time? Yeah, I think John's headed to heavyweight. I think um, I think him congratulating him was him his way of saying, you know what, it's your belt now. That's your, you know, that's your deal. Congratulations. I'm not coming after it. Even though Jan clearly had an agenda, you know, when he when he got that mic, which, man, I appreciate that because when you're in that division, there's always going to be this specter of John Jones because he left the belt. No one took it from him, right? Like, it's just this sort of slightly dissatisfactory feeling of like, ah, oh, but no one really beat him, right? Um, so I get it. When, when you're the champ of that division to really feel in your soul like you're the champ of light heavyweight you want to beat john jones but i genuinely think john's just like it's all good it's all yours <laughs> he was um posting other stuff on instagram and actually like commented on something that i had commented on so like john was john john's doing other stuff <laughs> right now and i think the only thing that's going to get him really excited and uh ready to be in there and getting those big pay-per-view numbers is going to be a big deal heavyweight fight. I think that's his next challenge. And man, if you look at what he's been doing strength and conditioning wise, guy's trying to put on some weight. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what that, what that does to him as well. We all remember that OSP fight. It didn't really work out for him too well, but we're excited to see what happens with him in the heavyweight division. Laura, it has been so, so much of a pleasure having you on the program. I know you're taking a little bit of a break from the broadcast. So uh, for the fans out there, as we wrap up, of course, they can follow you at Laura underscore Sanko on IG and Twitter. Uh, tell them what can they keep an eye out for? What can What's coming up? And uh, when can we sort of expect you back in the fold over there with the UFC as well? Yeah, well, I just have a couple of weeks off here. Uh, they wanted me to go to Fight Island right away, but I would, I just, I wouldn't have a marriage to come home to. <laughs> so, uh, I, uh, I asked for a few weeks off, but I will be headed to Fight Island for the uh, Ortega Zombie card as well as the Habib Gaethje card, which is going to be insane, insane, insane. So I'll be there for those, and then we will be wrapping up the last three episodes of Contender Series. Right after that, um, I've got a fight night on November 7th, um, cranking out some more quick hits. I mean, I'm kind of all over the place. Contender Series is my baby, though. That's what I'm excited for. So I'm glad that there's still three more episodes on that awesome show. And if you guys haven't seen that, you are missing out. It's so much fun. It's only five fights. It's a quick night. And these guys always bring it. So check that out on ESPN+. And 
I just want to say thank you guys so much for having me on. I This is like a little bucket list check off for me. So thank you. Well, hang on, Laura. Hopefully it's the start of something good because we initially wanted to have you on and interview you about you and talk about your career, your fights and stuff like that. But we got sick of looking for the perfect spot and we were like, you know what? Let's just have Laura on now. And I feel like it worked out perfectly. So the start of something nice. Absolutely. Let's do it again. I'm excited. I'm excited to be here and I would love to come on if you guys uh, ever need someone to talk fights with. I'm always down. Absolutely. Well, it sounds like a plan, Laura. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for making your first appearance on Submission Radio. And I think it's time for you to go back to your family. I know you're trying to save the marriage and keep everything alive. And I feel bad now that we're waking up the whole household at 1.30 in the morning. All the best to you. Have a great time off with your family. We can't wait to see your amazing work on Fight Island. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Laura. Bye.